Welcome to another episode of AnyGames Talent Talk, a show where I sit down and talk to various people from the anime and video games industry to learn a bit more about them, the projects they've been involved in, and the characters they've brought to life. I'm your host Joel, and today I'm talking to Eric Stewart, who's known for voicing both Brock and James in Pokemon, Seto Kaiba in Yu-Gi-Oh!, and a ton of other voices across numerous 4Kids productions. We discuss how he finds the voices and attitudes for his characters, why anime is localized, what it was like working on phenomenon anime series like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh!, how having a music career has helped his voice acting, and we discuss his new project, Crossing the Gods, a series he's working on with Dan Green and has many voice actors from Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Sonic, and Ninja Turtles involved. This episode was filmed live on location at Supernova Sydney 2019, so I do apologise for the background noise. But this was a really fun interview and I hope you guys really enjoy it. So let's get into it. So uh, you mentioned yesterday that uh, in uh, the panel that uh, it, for Clyber it kind of took you a little bit to, to get that, uh, the voice right so that you didn't come off too villainish and didn't come off too uh, of a friendly character. So uh, how long did it actually take the process to, to nail that down, especially being the director of the series as well? Right. Was it, did you kind of just say, it's going to be this, or did you have someone to kind of bounce ideas off as well? So it wasn't finding the voice, it was finding the attitude. So the voice wasn't a, a hard thing to come by because it's not that far away from my regular voice, mm -hmm. but it's the attitude that I needed to balance. So um, I did have a producer that, that produced the entire show, uh, Lloyd Goldfein, who's a brilliant guy. Um, but it was more of as an actor myself to make sure that I didn't cross that line mm -hmm. because the script was written a certain way and you could easily fall into just being a villain. So um, it didn't take me a long time, but it made, it, I couldn't dial it in I, uh, or phone it in as they like to say, right? I had to, um, I had to basically be focused each session. Whereas some of the stuff, I mean, I'm, if I have to do Brock or James in, in Pokemon, I'm on autopilot. It's, I don't have to think about those characters as much as I do with every nuance of Kaiba. So speaking of Brock and James, Brock is also kind of almost in your natural register as well, but yep. James is way out. Right. Like, how did how did you come up with the, the concept of James? So James to me is like he's related to Frasier, right? Right, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. yeah. So so the brothers would be uh, Frasier, Niles, and James. Yeah. So I went to a, a very sort of hippy dippy private school where we all dressed um, like we looked like you know, vagabonds, right? But we played sports against a lot of very uptight, snooty blazers and khaki pants schools. So I just channeled those guys for James. Yep. Um, also, as the actor, I wanted to make sure that the two characters who obviously talk to each other a lot were their own and not it's Eric Stewart playing characters. Most of the fans that grew up watching the show had no idea that the same person was both of yeah. those characters. I wanted you to listen to Brock and James, mm -hmm. not, well, Brock kind of sounds like James, so it's obvious it's the same guy doing it. Um, so it's all about the placement. Brock is in my upper register. I'm totally uh, channeling Casey Kasem, who was my voiceover hero growing up, played Shaggy on Scooby-Doo, uh, and of course, my favorite anime of all time, Battle of the Planets. He was Mark on G-Force. Um, so that's where that voice comes from. Yep. And then I wanted to do something in a different placement, so James is a totally rounded sound, lower register. That way they could stay away from each other. Of course. So, um, like, obviously things in the business, things happen that are out of your control. Was it a little bit sad saying goodbye to, to Brock and James, especially with James kind of being such a prominent character still in Pokemon to this day? 
record? Yeah. Is it a bit of a relief that you haven't had to record the 1,200 plus episodes? No, I'm very proud of the work that, that, that uh, I did on the show, you know, working on it for 10 years, mm. of course, helping to launch that, pro uh, you know, property, um, still being a pop culture phenomenon that, that, you know, if you're six years old or 60 years old, you know what Pokemon is, right? Um, it was a great experience. I would love to still do it, um, but you know the fact that they moved on and they do, you know have a new cast. That's all great. Um, I still get to play Kaiba, which is fun when it, whenever we do that stuff. Um, but you know I help develop those characters. You know, so if anyone's out there doing their version of it, they're imitating me. Yeah. So you know that's that's fine too. Well, there's still a lot of fans out there that only consider the, the Brock, Misty, Ash era of Pokemon the OG. Well, I can't yeah. argue with that. No. No. Uh, but like you said, they are a phenomenon. And like uh, you can't argue that anime is bigger now than it ever has been. But there was early in the early 2000s, there was a lot of people that were watching it didn't realize what, that it was anime. Right. And you were involved in quite a lot of those phenomenon series like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, what was it like being a part of those? Well, good series? question. Because here's the thing. There are those that blame us for changing too many things in the show which of course came from the networks yes right not from us no. the uh, broadcast standards and practices made it uh, made us change things to be on saturday morning cartoons there are strict so you rules ended up with the jelly filled donuts right <laughs> well actually the jelly filled donut stuff was this we wanted the show to not come across as japanese localizing localizing so if we pick food products that other places could have mm -hmm. rather than just sushi mm -hmm. right so if it aired in France, if it aired in Australia, if it where you could relate to the food product as your own. Yep. The localization was huge. Um, and making it approachable to all the kids that are watching it. They felt like it was their country's show. Yep. Now, any country that speaks English, of course, grew up watching our dub. Yeah, that's right. You know, so we weren't doing it with the Australian accents or with, you know, but, uh, but the French version, the German version, that's other actors but using our dialogue or our script yep. because it was more universal. But we also help... Well, I mean, we, we adapt that script yep. and we change things that don't make sense globally, right? Yep. But the other thing is, a show like Pokemon took anime from the back area of a video store. It really did, yeah. And now that's why there are conventions like this. Yeah. That's why there are fans that love all of this stuff because it has become thanks to shows like Pokemon, yep. universal. So you might blame us for watering down the original, but then now we also helped create this this fandom. It's kind of the gateway to opening up. Yeah, and you can go back and watch original things. I mean, the, the Dark Side of Dimensions, the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie, Fantastic. we stuck to the original storyline very closely, Yeah, which worked. And I appreciate that, because a lot of the fans that would have been uh, fans of the original series are 15 years older as well. So that darker storyline and stuff really... And it worked. Yeah. You know, a lot of times production companies don't trust the fans will understand, right? With that movie, we made sure that we said, you're older now, we can tell the story the way it's supposed to be told or more closer to the original uh, with a couple of little jokes in there and things yeah. that would make it, you know, rela yeah, yeah, right? Relatable. But yeah. So yeah, no, and fans like me, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but getting on to something else, uh, you're also uh, well into your music. Yeah. Um, and you. So you're well into your music, uh, and you're a, you're actually a performer before a voice actor. Yeah. Um, a lot of the arts go hand in hand. Is there anything from the music side of things that has helped you as a voice actor, whether it be like breathing? Right. Good question. So, inflection is pitch. Yep. So being a singer and being musical, 
is very helpful in how to read. If an actor is doing a line and someone says, can you go for that word or can you stress that word, you're changing the pitch. And so it's very helpful. Um, Also, with a lot of the dubbing, I watch the pacing of lip flap. What I say to, to fans is, okay, imagine you hear a song for the first time on the radio. By the second chorus, you should be able to sing along with it if the words are the same. Because you've heard the first chorus, you've, you've you memorized the timing of it. Yep. You might not sing the notes great, no. but you got the phrasing, yes. right? It's the same thing with lip flap. The musicality of it, the rhythm of it. I can watch lip flap one time. If the line is written correctly, I will get it to fit because I've memorized the timing. Yep. So this, the, the music side of my life has helped me that way, uh, you know. And I do more speaking like me in voiceovers than I do in funny voices. Mm-hmm. So timing, pace, things like that, very close to my Most singing voice. Man. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, and also uh, another side project that you seem to be involved in, one of the most interesting things I saw yesterday is Crossing of Gods. Yeah, Crossing the Gods. Crossing the Gods, yes. sorry. Yeah. So working with uh, Dan Green as well as some of the other people from the yep. original Pokemon series and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about what, how that project came to be? And uh, Yes, I can. So, so Crossing the Gods, we call it an illustrated audio drama. Yep. So if you imagine uh, an audio book mm-hmm. where you're following it by reading a comic book al- along, alongside it. Uh, the artwork is all black and white. There's no lip flap, it's not animation. It's like a, what we call an animatic. So it's a shifting of camera moves, facial uh, shifts, but no uh, uh, no articulation with the arms. It's not like people are swinging weapons. Um, I thought of it as like a really high fidelity storyboard. Yes, exactly. Because what we wanted to do was not compete with that genre. That's not what we do. Um, but we're all comic book nerds. And we're voice actors. So it stars a lot of the people from Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Turtles and all of that. But in the 30 years of being in this business, we have learned a lot about storytelling. What not to do and what to do. Um, And we thought we should do something on our own. It would be neat to create. Dan and I were sitting together at a convention and I finally said, hey, I'm sure you've got an idea. We should just do it. And he had some ideas he'd be kicking around. I said, let's do something. Let's set up a weekly conference call and let's just do it. So every Tuesday morning we get online together and we talk about the project. Uh, He wrote the script. We did 26 episodes of recording already and he's hand drawing it. Um, And it's really cool. I mean, to me... Uh, it's like it's like the format of old of the old serial sh- uh, shows. So it's it's five to seven minute episodes, um, just enough to, to w- make you want to watch the next one. And hopefully the fans enjoy the fact that we're not holding their hands through it. I, I liked that. And what we don't really go into, we didn't talk about it as much in our in our presentation. But the characters themselves are presented with uh, we can call them tortures. The villain stirs up their their baggage, their issues. And throughout the show, it doesn't define them, but they have to deal with their own issues before they can help others. And so there's a human side of this because the things that they're going through, we think people will be able to relate to. There's something for everyone that way. And it also shows people that if you are going through something that's tough, you're not the only one. Um, without being preachy about it, we thought it was a good underlying message to the show, mixed in with sci-fi and superheroes. Yeah, so yeah, just based off that first episode, I kind of got a more grounded X-Men kind of feel. Right. Is that kind of what you're going for? It is, it is. Um, there's definitely that. A lot of the characters, though, they don't have special powers. 
because we believe that everyone can be a hero. If you help one person, you're a hero, right? So there's really very few special, like, you know, maybe a couple of cool things like that, but it's it's really more about their 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 soul, their moral. And so you kind of touched on it there. So with your uh, dubbing side of things, you're kind of like the end process of the thing. It's been localized, written, translated, yeah. got to a thing, and then you do the last voice. This is kind of going to the, the start of the circle where you guys get to create. Exactly. So Yeah, it's fun to do that. And uh, what I really enjoy about this project is um, I do get to play a character in it, which is fun, um, but I build the show. All the voices are recorded individually. I assemble the dialogue. I mix the music and the sound effects in there. So while Dan is drawing, I'm doing all the audio production, and that's fun to do. It's fun to sort of be uh, behind the scenes. Freelay as opposed to adult. That's exactly what it is. That's yes. right. Because I also directed uh, Viva Piñata, which was a prelay show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I won't take up too much more. Yeah, time, yeah. But uh, how many God cards can we expect to see in Crossing the Gods? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good question. I'll have to ask Dan about that. Nice. Uh, so before we wrap up, uh, where can fans uh, on, follow you online or uh, follow your work? So for me personally, ericstewart.com. You can follow my music career, where I'm appearing with conventions, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. I try to answer as much fan mail as possible. Um, with Crossing the Gods, it's, it's Crossing the Gods. We've got uh, a Facebook page that's Crossing the Gods. Uh, like our page, and you can follow what we're doing with the show. We, we like fan feedback as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd love, to, we'd love to be able to tell people when the show is finally out there, and the only way they can keep up with us is to like the page. That's right. So we saw the first episode yesterday. Is there any time that's going to become public? Or Yeah, we want to finish three episodes, yep. which we've already recorded, but Dan is drawing them. And then we're going to do some presentations to some of the industry folks that we know yep. to get some feedback from them. Well, no, just we want to get some feedback before we continue. Yep. Because there are, there are some people that we really respect their opinions. And um, we want to get that before we dive into much further. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Good questions. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Talent Talk. Look forward to next week's episode where I'll be sitting down and talking to another voice actor from the anime industry and picking their brain. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing on YouTube or on your podcasting platform of choice so you never miss an episode. And feel free to communicate with me on Twitter at anigame underscore AU. That's A-N-I-G-A-M-E underscore A-U. And let me know who you'd love to see on the show. This has been Joel from Anigame, and I'll catch you in the next episode.